Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y or 67369. What did you want to do? Or are you going to save it for the end? I'll save it. All right. <laughs> so I will be outraged. I will be outraged at you. Save the outrage for the fresh take. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to be pissed later instead of pissed the whole time. No, I'm going to be pissed the whole time. Oh, okay. Not at you, though. Oh. At what? At me? Motherfucker, you picked it, right? You picked Catwoman. Are we recording? Remember that conversation we had about, like, there's some bare minimum expectations in order to be a movie? (laughs) As opposed to just (laughs) stuff? Are you saying there aren't special effects in this movie? There are special effects. Are you saying there isn't a story? There is no story. There's a story. There is no, there is absolutely. It's not very good, but there's a story. There is no story. There is no story. Are there not characters? <laughs> really pushing the, the the boundaries on what constitutes there are characters. Is there not a setting? No setting. Actually, the, the setting's very ambiguous. Yeah, I don't. I mean, wrong category to pick on that one. Yeah, that one. That, one, that one's on me. I took a lot of notes. That's the funny thing. I have a lot of notes. I know. I I got to pare these down. You know what happened to me, Zach? I was going to fall asleep watching this movie. Then I remembered you said that I'd fall asleep in it. And so I forced (laughs) myself to not sleep. It's what we call spite. (laughs) You spite watched it? (laughs) You spite watched the movie we're supposed to watch? Yes. (laughs) Your picks have been horrible, man. It's the point. It's the point of the show. Isn't it? Isn't it? It's possible. I don't understand what this podcast is about. Poppycock. It's a fuckhouse. On a weekly basis, we are consuming more concentrated bad movies than probably anybody in the history of mankind. Poppycock. What story? <laughs> what story? <laughs> what are you talking about? Do you want lunch? I have yet to laugh in this movie. I'll just tell you that. You picked it, motherfucker. <laughs> 
Just remember that. You know the problem with Hollywood is? They make shit. Unbelievable, unremarkable shit. So I was legitimately offended. You were offended? I was, a, I was offended. I didn't know you could get offended. I was offended. This did it. If I were gay, I wouldn't be offended. They're fucking making shit up, I mean! Inconsequential detail after inconsequential yeah. detail after inconsequential detail. Please don't lie. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm holding go. a mic in my hands and now I'm talking yeah. all over. Okay. <laughs> the podcast where we watch the movies you're afraid to admit you love and then we review them. i'm zach harper that's amino hassan that's anthony mays if you have a submission reminder 40 percent or lower on rotten tomatoes for either the audience score or the critic score this week on cinephobe we watched the sexy 2004 crime action fantasy movie catwoman it's not sexy cat noise it's not se- there are plenty of cat noises in this movie yes it is not a sexy movie it's not sexy it's not a sexy movie there's a lot of tension in it. You know what? For the first time, I had zero tension in this. What? No tension. There's so much tension. Spoiler alert. There's no tension. Okay. I don't agree. Catwoman stars Halle Berry, who had just been in X2, X-Men United, and Gothica in 2003. She would be in a Limp Biscuit Greatest Videos in 2005. What? And, oh, yeah. That's what I mdb says and x-men the last stand in 2006 this is halle berry's second appearance we should start doing that like oscars right like when someone oh gets, yeah this is the second nomination and third or you know third nomination second win we should be doing this is her second appearance on cinephobe yeah good call halle berry made out with fred durst in the behind blue eyes music video is that real this is what i'm gonna tell you maze Based on her catalog, it's pretty clear that she'll do anything for a check. Thank you, Baxter. Boogie, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, We also get Benjamin Bratt. It's almost like he said, he's right, you know. (laughs) 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 I will tell you, this dog kept interrupting me during this movie. He clearly (laughs) did not want me to watch this. (laughs) You say, the memories, the memories. (laughs) We also get Benjamin Bratt, whom you may remember from Miss Congeniality, Demolition Man. He's in Coco. He's in Blood In, Blood Out. Wow, you named everything other than the thing he's most famous for. What? Law and Order. Oh, I've ne- see, I've never seen Law and Order. Detective I Curtis. I didn't even look. Yeah. I try to avoid, unless I know someone's in a TV series, I usually avoid those listings in the IMDb page. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that. When it says like 40 episodes of Law and yeah. Order, you thought, you thought he was just a recurring character? Who knows? Who's <laughs> to say? Also, Sharon Stone is in this. You probably remember yeah. her vagina from Basic Instinct. She was also in Sliver and The Quick and the Dead. She was. Catwoman also has Lambert Wilson from the Matrix trilogy. The Merovingian. We get Francis Conroy from Joker and Six Feet Under. We get a second appearance from Alex Borstein. Back to back, Borstein! Yeah. Back to back, A yeah. million ways to die in the West and Family Guy. Catwoman was directed by Pitoff. He's a real Pitoff shit. <laughs> I wanted to tell him to peat off after this. Dave is just peat off. You didn't peat off during this movie? No. 
Not at all. Not once. That sucks. Okay. This was his second Blasted. and last directing job for movies. <laughs> he has produced a bunch of shorts and done visual effects work since Catwoman, but that's it. Bob Kane, who created Batman, gets character writing credits. We also have a lot of writing credits in this one. Teresa Rebeck, who wrote the show Smash and was a producer of NYPD Blue, gets a writing credit. John Brancato, who wrote Femme Fatale, The Net, and The Game, also wrote Terminator 3 and Terminator Salvation. Future cinephobe. Michael Ferris is his writing partner. And they also wrote the screenplay as well as John Rogers, who wrote 10 episodes of Cosby, wrote The Core, wrote Transformers, and seven episodes of The Librarians. So those are the four credited writers. Yeah. Daniel Waters wrote a draft in 1995. And then Leita Calogridis, Kate Condell, John Cohen, John O'Brien, David Reynolds, Harley Payton, Valerie Brayman, Rita Shaw, and Andrew W. Marlowe were also at one point attached. That's a record. That is a lot. Yeah. Synopsis for Catwoman is a shy woman endowed with the speed, reflexes, and senses of a cat walks a thin line between criminal and hero, even as a detective doggedly pursues her, fascinated by both of her personas. Doggedly pursues her? <laughs> this is the tagline? That's the, no, that's the synopsis. That's the synopsis. Oh, I'm sorry. The tagline is catch her in IMAX with the C-A-T and catch uh-huh. capitalized. Oh, uh, you know what the best part about it was? Was not released in IMAX. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A hundred million dollar estimated budget for this one. That can't On be a real what? number though, right? Well, the CGI. Oh, yeah. There's everything CGI in this movie. Not good CGI though. Still got to pay for it. Good or bad, you got to pay for it. It grossed 40 million US and 82.1 million worldwide. There's oh, no, I geez. would never have guessed it did that well. No, I, I would. It's the highest grossing female led superhero film until Wonder Woman in 2017. There you go. Wasn't Wonder Woman beaten by uh, Captain Marvel? It had to have been. We're going to have to have a whole section on why DC movies suck. I'm into that. We can do that when we do Suicide Squad. Oh my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Saw that one in the theater. So did I. <laughs> Saw that one in the theater. Before listening to the rest of this podcast, you want to watch Catwoman. It says it's on HBO Max, but it's not. Because I tried. I had to rent this thing. It was $2. Felt like a fine for the Levitard show. Yeah, no, it did. I did. <laughs> you ought to be double fun, by the way. Rotten Tomatoes score. Catwoman receives 9% from critics on 197 reviews. Who? Who? And 18% from the audience on over 274,000 ratings. So, Amin, do you want the positive or the negative? Usually I say I'm a glass half full guy, so give me the positive. Wow, everybody's just thinking about the negative. Well, I think the, the glass is half full. Everybody thinks it's half empty. Now I'm. this is like a public execution. I need to hear who are these people who positively thought of this movie. You know what pisses me off is forever I had these switched on my little sheet here. They're, the negative ones were up top and the positive ones. And then Amin keeps going to the positive, <laughs> right? So i always scrolling down and scrolling back up. So I switched them finally. And this motherfucker goes to the negative. No, I said I want the positive. I want the public execution. Like of the critics. Usually I want the positives because I'm trying to be positive about the movie. Right. This time I'm being, I want the positives because I want to see who these fucking liars are. Oh, okay. Oh. It's a spite watch. Zach. Oh, it's a spite, spite watch. watch. It's a spite positive review. Gotcha. Okay. Show I, yourselves. I, mis- I misunderstood that. All right. Positive reviews. Christopher Smith of Bangor. Almost changed my mind and said, yeah, I want the negatives now. 
<laughs> Christopher Smith of the Bangor Daily News in Maine. Widely considered a terrible movie, but if you enjoy the camp genre, it's a must-see. It is, in fact, camp on a catnip high. Okay. There's going to be a lot of cat puns in these reviews, by the way. Oh, my God. Because right, I'm about to tell you right now, that dude, he can go fuck himself three ways from Sunday. <laughs> Gene Offmuth of Palo Alto Weekly. What's not to love about a gal with a whip, stiletto, and sharp rhinestone claws? Guilty pleasure, be thy name. Go beat off in your kitchen, bro. Jules Brenner of Cinema Signals. A milking of the mediocre, but after this fall from grace, Barry's got eight career leaps to go. Okay, that's not a positive review. Jeffrey M. Anderson of Combustible Celluloid. This hilarious, sexy, exciting farce is instead so consistently surprising and dazzling that I'm still not sure if it's a good, bad movie or a good, good movie. Oh, no. I want to yell things that may be super offensive. Oh, boy. All right. But they all involve involve violence against these people. Mike LaSalle of San Francisco Chronicle. An odd, idiosyncratic movie, dark in look and dark in spirit, that plays as a kind of pop culture investigation into the meaning of feminism and the options open to women in the modern world. I don't think so. They tried to do that. They They tried. tried. They really tried. Like the last line of the movie. Yes, they tried. (laughs) In the last line of the movie, they they hammer home all along. It was all about feminism and women being whatever they wanted. They definitely added that at the end. Like, oh, shit, we got it. As she literally spends an entire movie worried about what this man thinks of her. Right. Terry Lawson of the Detroit Free Press. Catwoman isn't really bad enough to be one of those awful movies we can't resist, nor is it incompetent enough to be the female daredevil. Ooh, shots at our guy, the Ghost Rider director. Michelle Alexandria of Eclipse Magazine. If you like Van Helsing and The Punisher, then you'll enjoy this. Oh my god. <laughs> Catwoman is worth seeing for its camp value and is better than it has any right to be. Van Helsing, I almost walked out of the theater. I was so annoyed. <laughs> Van Helsing was the one I nearly picked. <laughs> First 10 minutes of that movie is just nothing but shrieking, and I almost walked out of the theater. Again, I keep getting Van Helsing mixed up with Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> Gregory Weinkoff of New York Times, a feline rehash of the Spider-Man origin story with a whole lot more rump shaking. Tomato squeaks by as edible. <laughs> you know what? Rump shaking? I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like uh, the tomato part. Like, uh, and then last positive review, <laughs> Kevin Thomas of the LA Times. Not everybody will be able to swallow its heady romanticism, yet its French director, Pitoff, has brought sophistication to a comic book sensibility. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Now for the <laughs> negative reviews. Andre Gonval of Chicago Reader. The screen plays a hodgepodge of witchcraft, ancient Egyptian lore, pulp feminism, and a dash of S&M. Yep. Not really a negative review. Keith Phipps of the AV Club. Relentless, gaudy, and in love with its PG-13 approximation of kink, Catwoman is essentially an excuse to pose Barry in even skimpier outfits. Yes. It's all too prefab to register as sexy. Yes. And even the fight scenes look like fashion shoots. Yes. Like, all that was accurate other than, I wouldn't call it relentless. Well, you know, it's, not, it's definitely not a lot of effort. I think they should have just gone R and made it, like, really tawdry, you know? I don't think that would have that wouldn't have helped. really helped too much, no. They did $100 million at the box office, man. Oh, no, no, they did $80 million. Nick Bradshaw of Time Out. You're left with flashes of misspent promise. 
the feline mysticism, the cosmetics industry intrigue, the idea of electrocuting Lambert Wilson's unctuous corporate cad. <laughs> James Christopher of Times UK, a thriller you wouldn't inflict on a laboratory rat. Mm. Peter Godard of the Toronto Star, get out the kitty litter. Jay Boyar, not to be confused with Joy Bayar of the Orlando <laughs> Sentinel, arguably the worst superhero film ever made. Not arguable. And then three more quick ones. Lisa Rose of Newark Star Ledger, a clawless crossbreed of comic book movie cliches. Lou Lumenic <laughs> of the New York Post, a perfectly ridiculous and boring oh, catastrophe. No. Get out of here. And then last one. Did you know that was a Dan Wakey of the... <laughs> <laughs> And then Robert K. Elder of Chicago Tribune, the showgirls of superhero movies. It wishes. <laughs> it does. It really does. Showgirls is on HBO Max, by the way, everyone. Enjoy. Amin, what's your first note? How much of this is real? Because the opening credits <laughs> is a lot of, like, cat facts, but I'm pretty sure they're not facts at all. For instance, <laughs> the existence of cat cults and also... The picture of a cat standing over a dying soldier on a battlefield. I just, I was like, no, that, there's no way that's an actual painting that someone depicted. Like, a, a, imagine like knights in shining armor and a knight is fallen and he's like kind of dying, but he's kind of looking up and there's a cat and the cat conveniently is looking right at the, the person who's painting this picture. As yeah, it's, just a, it's just a house cat too. Yeah, exactly. As if it were, as if it were a photo. We start off in ancient Egypt, I guess. We have some kind of chanting. It sounds like day spa music. It's the wailing vocalization. It's one of the <laughs> cinephobe classics. Yes. We're going over hieroglyphics, and there's just straight up a house cat in one of these pieces of art next to a woman. <laughs> then it says Catwoman. <laughs> now we have Chinese art with people holding cats. We go to the UK. We have Celtic cat art. If they don't put up a hang in there cat poster on the wall in this movie, what are we even doing? <laughs> Newspaper clipping of with claw necklace stolen. Mass Jewel Thief does it again. Family rescued by Mass Woman in Black. There's Brazilian art with cats. And then I just asked, is this opening credit scene just showing us where in the world they have cats? Yes. It, th that's what it is, right? And then there's an Indiana Jones-like map showing when cats came to America. Right. <laughs> and then, it's three and a half minutes of an intro. Yeah. Three and a half minutes. And then it just says directed by Pitoff with two cat eyes in black. Yeah, baby. We. Oui. And now we've got some live action. Halle Berry is face down in some kind of water. And she says, it all started the day I died. Oh, if there had been an obituary, it would have described the unremarkable life of an unremarkable woman survived by no one. But there wasn't an obituary because the day I died was also the day I started to live. But that comes later. All I could think of was the Rick and Morty two weeks earlier. Yeah. <laughs> And then my next note, what the fuck is this CGI'd city? Oh, yeah. So they never tell you where it is. They never actually say Gotham City. They don't say it's <sighs> New York. They don't say anything. It's almost like they didn't have the rights. And so then my note was, is this what they do when they're showing a concept building for like an architecture project? That's what it seemed like. Yes, that's what it felt like. And I thought at some point it would subtly be put on something and we'd figure it out. And so there's a scene where they're going to the precinct and there are cop cars pulling up. And I literally paused and enhanced trying to see where it said, you know, Gotham PD or something. Nope, just this police on it. Yeah, they never commit to where it is. And most of the time, it's taking place on, like, some cliffs across a body of water from a city. Right, yes. That's just outside the town. 
but apparently takes no time to get to. Hallie's bumping into everybody on her way to work. She designs ads for beauty cream and works with Alex Borstein. Office buildings do not look like this, right? Like they had this huge... Right. Hedair is the name of the beauty line or whatever. And it's just got a huge, massive H on the outside. And then when you walk in, there's a huge, massive H on the inside as well. And then when they get to the boardroom conference room scene, again, conference rooms don't look like this. Not at all. Don't look like an evil lair. It's like the war room. Right. Yeah, it's a war room. Those giant H's must be real confusing for the helicopter pilots in those cities, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Alex gets headaches as she applies the cream. Talks about how her head's hurting. Lambert Wilson is in the middle of a presentation for... Now, this is tricky because they say beeline or boo-line about nine different ways in this movie. They never even settled on. <laughs> I had it written down as Beolene. <laughs> Beolene, right. They, sometimes they say that. They change it throughout the movie. They do. They do. I just kept calling it Boline. Wasn't he in that uh, Spencer Confidential movie? Uh, it would make sense because he <laughs> might be the worst actor we've had on this in this 40-some-odd episode run of, of Cinephobe. No, no. Oh, he's so bad. He's not good, but come on He's now. bad. We have a bunch of kids that have... Who else? Maybe adult actor. No, 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 no. The hackers in Hurricane Heist are much worse. <laughs> I forgot about that. I've literally erased Hurricane Heist in my mind. Sharon Stone interrupts him and says she's stepping aside as the face of Hader Beauty after 15 years. It's now a woman named Adrena. Lambert Wilson says they're celebrating with drinks, and she jokes that Adrena's not old enough to drink. Careful, George. She's not old enough to drink. And I wrote, ooh, burn. Hallie is doing her first lead campaign, and she wants it to be perfect. Lambert and Sharon are arguing about the moment, and Hallie walks in. He's not pleased with her efforts. Why is she dressed like this, and why is she walking like a nine-year-old? She's playing Zooey Deschanel. Oh, God. Oh, wow. That's who she's supposed wow. to be in the beginning of this movie. On oh. the nose. Yeah. Very on the nose. If that's what they were going for. It's so on the nose, I'm mad I didn't think of it, right? That's so obvious now. It's so on the nose that I'm going to say this. Halle Berry is the greatest actor or actress of all time. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you want me to play this, Pitoff? Just uh, uh, walking like uh, Zoe Deschanel. How you say Zoe Deschanel? Zoe Deschanel. Uh, she's uh, very uh, uh, popular in uh, in Paris and uh, in, in France. Uh, Solid. We <laughs> like the hippo. We like the hippo, Zoe Deschanel. Ali, we like, like the, the hippo. hippo. He's not pleased with her efforts. She thought she was doing what he asked, and he says he doesn't reward incompetence. He rips on her clothes. He rips on her nails. So he's got a point. Yeah, he's not wrong. Sharon says to let her fix it because she's good and he knows it. And now she has until tomorrow night at midnight to get these new designs in. Then we cut to apartment buildings. Same direction by Hoobastank is being played in the apartment. Hoobastank! And I know that because of the subtitles. Hoobastank playing on the radio. What a great cross-promotion of shitty content. Hoobastank at 4 (laughs) a.m. That's a mood. There's a party across from her apartment. She can't sleep. It's 4 a.m. She also has a massive loft apartment. Although, since I don't know what city it is, I can't tell you if that seems unrealistic because I don't know what the rent would be. (sighs) She can't get them to turn down the music because she's just so meek. But she sees a cat on a motorcycle that then disappears. The next morning, the cat is at her window as she's painting. And the subtitles say that the cat yowled. Which I didn't know yowl was a word. I looked it up. It's a word. Yeah, you yowl. Yeah, yowl. I just would have guessed it meow. Yeah, I mean, meow is kind of like low. Meow is like meow. Yowl is meow. It's a a yowl. Also, at this point, I hadn't remembered what she was wearing the night before. But as she goes to the window to look for the cat, I'm saying, 
did she sleep in her work clothes? And I thought to myself, I guess that makes sense because she was up late probably working on this thing. Keep that in mind because a, a very interesting plot point will come up later. The cat is jumping everywhere. She walks out to the ledge to get the cat for some reason. I don't know why. My note, no fucking way. No way, no way, no way, no way. She's stepping on an AC unit. I asked, is this even her cat? The AC unit starts to break and Benjamin Bratt pulls his car over to help her. Tells her not to jump and he's a cop. Maybe he can help. The cat's gone now. He thinks she's crazy and he's rushing up to her apartment to save her. He grabs her from the window just as she starts to fall. Oh my goodness. The drama of it all. Now she's late for her job and on a deadline, she rushes out of the apartment. Her name is Patience. And I thought, I always thought her name was Selena Kyle, right? Or maybe that was just... Oh, right. Is that... Yeah, do we know which one's right? Selena Kyle is what the real Catwoman's name is. Yeah, this Patience Phillips is a creation. I'm going to guess between Pitoff and Christopher Nolan. I'm going to I'm gonna err on the side of Christopher Nolan got it right. She rushes out of the apartment, drops her wallet. He picks it up. We get more CGI City. Maybe we should just call it CGI City. So here's the thing. I just looked it up because I was thinking in my head, kind of looks like Ballistic X versus Sever, and they shot a lot of it in Vancouver. Shot in Vancouver. Vancouver. Is it more or less expensive to CGI an entire city rather than just getting a helicopter shot of a real city? A helicopter shot doesn't get you what the looks he wants. What he loves, this director loves jib shots. So if you don't know what a jib is. Oh, my God. On set, you know, on the jump, whenever you see, you know, the jump and it opens and it looks like the camera's floating from above and going down, it's because it's on a long stick. And there's the camera operator is basically using a system of levers to make this thing float up and float down and move side to side, et cetera, et cetera, right? So a helicopter would not allow you to get those jib shot kind of feels where you're going up and down and over a building and then into a building, which he does a lot in this movie. A lot, a lot, a lot. Now Sharon's at Hader Beauty and is upset at Adrena's images. There's some bad banter between them and he's ripping scientists who keep calling him. Sharon is watching them take all the images of her away. Very sad moment. A man with a hyper-confusing beard pops up over the cubicle wall of Hallie. Hey, man sandwich, 12 o'clock. At this stage, I have to pause you here and pay off the tease I had earlier. Because this is the part I realized, it's not just her wearing yesterday's clothes. Mm -hmm. It's everybody in this scene is wearing the clothes that they wore the day before. Yep. Benjamin Bratt, the man sandwich, 12 o'clock, walking into her work area. He's Detective Tom Lone. That's a good name. It's a good name to pick up women. He doesn't have a partner, so. Alex Borstein is saying the words his name rhymes with, like, cone, phone, and bone. Bone. This is my next note. How do you sell Halle Berry as the bumbling, no-confidence person? Yeah, you can't. She's way too hot. Way too hot. Way too hot. I believe in, like, an actual cat-woman hybrid before I believe that she's bumbling and has no confidence. Also, question. How does dropping your wallet tell someone where you work? Well, they do, and we'll get to this in a little bit, have an insane amount of technology for a police department. (laughs) Insane technology for a regular-ass police department. (laughs) The CIA doesn't even have this stuff. CGI City is different, baby. That's true. CGI City does, does do things a little differently. He wants to apologize for making the assumption that she was a jumper. Wants to take her to coffee to this Italian place around the corner. They're going to do it tomorrow, 1 p.m. Alex will make sure of it. He compliments her art, says it reminds him of Chagall, 
But it turns out he just Googled the art in her apartment. But how would he Google it if he doesn't know what it is? He was in there for like five seconds. It's a great question. Also, this movie is all about Yahoo search. Yeah, I was trying to figure out which search engine it was, man. (laughs) If you're a listener of Cinephobe and you don't use Google, use another search engine. Please let us know. Tweet us at Darth Amin, at Corn Puzzle, at Talk Hoops. Let us know. Yeah, are you a banger? Yahoo, what are the search engines? Is Ask Jeeves still around? That's a great question. <laughs> Alex and the Confusing Beard Man say she needs to shave her legs and wear the outfit she got on her birthday. Confusing Beard Man's name is Lance, and sure. he's my favorite character in this movie. Really? Because he says, hello. And then when she says, remember that outfit we got you? He says, remember? <laughs> I laughed. I laugh because it's a type of cartoonish, over-the-top depiction of gay people that is clearly very accurate. <laughs> she says she won't wear that leather outfit. Future callback. Time-lapse shot of the office, and Hallie's the only person working late at night now. The messenger is not coming in time to drop it off by midnight, so she's got to drop off the artwork. And guys, whatever this facility is, the doors are locked, and she's trying to find a way in. How did this story make sense to anyone? I don't, I, wrote I don't know. Book. I don't know. Dr. Slavicki is talking to Sharon about the burns and scarring from this product. Dr. Exposition. And then as Hallie's walking through this place, like it looks like Iron Man's garage. There's huge vats of chemicals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it's you know, guys, I gotta stop right here. This is the part you buy? No, 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 no. Well, this is where they're making the product, but like, why is she bringing the design there? There, yes. Why is that the destination? And that was the point where I stopped and I said, there's absolutely no way that if I went and got like Catwoman one from like 1945 or whenever that comic came out, that this was the origin story they came up with. And it just reminded me why comic book movies mess this up all the time. I'm not saying that every origin story is fit to print immediately. Like as we talked about in the past, Fantastic Four just has the most ridiculous origin stories. So and that's why you, you just can't do it. But for the most part, just follow the goddamn comic. Like, no, you can't come up with it. I mean, even Christopher Nolan followed the comic. He made it real and gritty and, and kind of like the different light, but it still pretty much was the same beats. Yeah, or like you mentioned, we don't need the origin story. Fast forward. Or we just said, let's just start like she's Catwoman. It's like the new Spider-Man movies, right? Like, yes. all right, we get it. He's Spider-Man. Yes, yes. That's all we need. Like if you handed this to me and said, this is how we're going to start the story, I would think that someone would say no. Somebody. Dr. Exposition can't live with this. Hallie sees the images and knocks into some glassware. She runs out and security from the parking lot is coming to find out who was there. Two security guards are chasing her in the warehouse. One of them's Byron Mann, who played Ryu in Street Fighter. He's also in Skyscraper. Oh, nice. He looked friendly. She peeks her head out and the other guy shoots at her. They just open fire on her. Wildly <laughs> firing in a room full of pipes <laughs> and red lights. Chemicals. It's a chemical plant. Right. A bumbling fool of a woman who's like clearly scared for her life. Something tells me you don't need to shoot. Must have been a former cop in CGI City. Oh, wait, wait, wait for some CGI City policing <laughs> to happen in a second. <laughs> she falls down into a sewage area. She runs into a giant tunnel in waste treatment. Sharon says over the phone to get rid of her. They sealed the door to the pipe. And water is now rushing toward her to flood the pipes. Spoiler alert, Sharon doesn't say it. Right? He just hears someone say Oh, it. he just hears someone say it. Right, yeah, sorry, spoiler alert. She's running through these pipes with waste all around her and sewage. Not really phased. And also, it's a very well-lit piping system. Extremely well-lit system, yeah. At the same time, 
I don't believe we see a single light in there. No. Which is confusing. You just like, it's right around the corner. The worst CGI possible knocks her out of the tower and into the water below. So Catwoman was born when a chemical toilet was flushed? <laughs> I mean... I'll have to check the comic book, but I think so. That's an origin story. I'm glad that you mentioned that because the next point where we see her, she's kind of drowning, then she's out and on dry land, and there are these cats all over her, <laughs> but she's clearly dead. And I wrote, is she covered in shit while cats crawl on her? It's a great question. Yeah, the cat is on dry land, purring at her. Cat yowls out. Somehow she's washed up on the muddy rocks. Dozens of cats surround her approach. And this just seems like a scene from the movie Cats. Like, I was waiting for them to start singing. Feelings, nothing more but some feelings. I don't know the words feeling. I think it's memories. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I write the note here. Is there sexual tension with this cat and Halle Berry? I can't believe Amin didn't pick up on this. Not at all, because she was dead. I don't think cats are into necrophilia. We get close-ups of their eyes and now she's back to life from the cat breath also her eye turned into a cat eye i don't know if you saw that pupil yeah oh pitoff is it cpr is it cat pr is it c per <laughs> that one you liked that one you liked out of all the shit i've said on here i've been beaten down like <laughs> <laughs> next note amin is going to say nothing <laughs> that was a pre-written joke yeah <laughs> work that one out did you practice it with Aaron? <laughs> oh my god, I would never let her see any of this shit I write for this. Are you kidding me? She's a real comedian. <laughs> she can hear all these birds now. She gets freaked out by the bad CGI of one bird. She notices a spider and claws at it. I mean, it's just... It's so stupid. And then she climbs up on a rock, like the Lion King, except it's a <laughs> swamp. Everything the light touches is our kingdom. <laughs> Now she's made it Clip to an that. alley and she's creeping. She's creeping that, around. Man. Clip what? I made that line up. You yeah. want the Lion King line? Yeah, the Lion King line. Just clip from the Lion King. <laughs> Everything the light touches is our kingdom. She's creeping around for some reason in this alley. She leaps from the ground to a second story fire escape. Sees her mud covered face in the reflection of the window and just punches out the window. It's her own house. To her own place. (laughs) Now it's morning. She was sleeping on a beam in her loft. She falls to the ground as Alex calls her, leaves a message about the cop and the presentation. Benjamin Bratt is waiting at Grecchio's, the Italian place. He can't wait any longer and is getting back to work. Now the cat is yowling at her. She grabs a cat, finds a piece of paper on the collar, and it's an address and a phone number for Ophelia Powers. Another CGI shot of the city. Oh, my gosh. What? To a random suburban <laughs> home in the middle of downtown with no other homes around. What it. the fuck? Why couldn't she be in a suburb? <laughs> Why is this fucking leave it to Beaver house in the middle of the fucking Diamond District? What is happening? It's nothing but skyscraper apartment buildings. And then this house. Left and right. Commercial buildings. Fucking home family matters home ironically do you know what it reminds me of in inception yeah i was actually thinking that yes yeah it reminded me of someone who's bad at playing fucking sim city that's what it reminded me of in inception where it's a dreamscape (laughs) yeah it's the house that he lives in like the 
Leo DiCaprio, right? God, how great would it be if Christopher Nolan got that from this movie? Think about it like this. Okay, guys, I just got the the contract to do these Batman movies. Let me do some source material work, right? Watch the whole back catalog, sees this scene and thinks, maybe not for this movie, but I'm going to tuck it in, you know. I like to think of it as whenever I get to talk to like a great, phenomenal, world-class chef. It's happened a couple of times. And I always ask them, like, what do you cook for yourself? And their answer is always cereal. <laughs> and that is what this is right here. Ophelia invites her in as she tries to give the cat back. There's a fuck ton of cats in this house. Yeah. That place has to smell horrible. Awful. Cats named Midnight. It's an Egyptian Mao, the rarest of breeds. Temple cats. They have special powers, you know. Ophelia tosses her catnip and she starts sniffing it and rubbing it on her face. She rubbed it like it was... <laughs> Yo, there's some sexual tension between Halle Berry and that catnip. <laughs> yes, that, yeah, okay, that one I'll allow. Halle is now confused and trying to walk to work, convincing herself she's fine. I like how Amin is now the ombudsman of sexual tension. <laughs> when he is wrong about it every time. <laughs> he thought a brother and a sister were trying to fuck. They definitely were really throwing the vibes out there. Sustained. <laughs> Lambert Wilson is screaming at her over her incompetence. She says she's not listening. She was drawing him as the devil. She apologizes. He says it's not enough. And she apologizes for every second she wasted working for him. And he fires her. Let me try the remix. That line was just. The writing's so bad. I literally just said, what? (laughs) And then he said, you're fired. And I said, wait, you mean she wasn't fired before she fucked up this big project and you screamed at her and she said, huh? While he's screaming at her, she's slumped over on her desk with her back to him, scribbling. Right. But he is screaming at her. The whole office is staring. She says, huh? He grabs the paper. There's a picture of him as a devil. And even at that point, ladies and gentlemen, he was prepared to let her keep her job. Until she talked back again. Until she remixed. Then she catches herself. Everybody applauds her, which I feel like he would have heard that and everyone would have been fired. There's a lot of applauding in this movie. There's a lot. Yeah. They applauded Benjamin Bratt when he's rescued her. They applaud at this point. They applaud when they unveil the new plans for Bulan, Bolan, Boleen, 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 whatever it's called. They, they <laughs> applaud constantly in this movie. Female empowerment. The guy with the confusing beard is wearing a fantastic silk shirt, by the way. <laughs> Lance. Yeah, Lance, sorry. Alex is walking her through the street with her stuff. Dogs are barking at her. She hisses at them. Then she's distracted by a massive necklace in a window, and Alex collapses. Now we're at the hospital. Spoiler alert. We never find out what's wrong with Alex. No, we do. We do. What does she have? It's because of the B.O. lane. Or the boo line. Oh, okay. I, I didn't put two and two together, to be honest. Oh, that seemed pretty obvious from the first scene she's in the movie. She's putting cream on. She's like, I don't know why I'm getting these headaches. Character development. <laughs> They run a bunch of tests, don't know what's going on with her. She's a real hornball, by the way, this Alex Forstein. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Alex is trying to convince her to go after the cop. She says, go get you some brown sugar. Can she say that? First of all, she can't say that. Second of all, what? What? <laughs> and now Detective Tom Lone is talking to a class and they want to see his gun. What is happening here? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> There's no teacher. He's holding a basketball. Hallie shows up to the classroom somehow. I don't know how she would know he was there. How did she find him at the school? Then immediately when I wrote that, she says that the guys at the police station said he'd be here. And I said, what police station tells civilians where officers are? (laughs) (laughs) That's not not how this works at all. But 
the other thing I was, what setting? Where's the teacher? It's not a school. I think it's like a community center. Is it? Oh, yeah, because they do a fair later. Oh, uh, okay. But it's not like Benjamin Brad is coming in to give a presentation. It seems like he's in charge. Yeah, it does. Like, it 100% seems like he's in charge. Yeah. <laughs> he tells him to go shoot some hoops. She gives him a coffee that has sorry written on it. And here we go. Oh, boy. Basketball playground. Hold on. Before they start playing basketball, they they shoot the breeze a little small talk. And that's when he re- reveals what May said earlier, that he doesn't have any partner because nobody wants to work with him. Quote, turns out I take my job a little too seriously. And I said, that is the hallmark of someone who has totally committed mass amounts of police brutality. I take my job too seriously. Shut the fuck up, man. Like, that. That's those are the guys that... Man, I'm sorry. I'm triggered because I saw a video of this one officer who sticks his head inside some dude's car and says, and says to him, look at me. I'm a fucking specimen. And like promises to beat his ass in front of the Lord and all creation, even though he's being filmed, he absolutely knows it. And that's all I could think about when Benjamin Brett says, I take my job a little too seriously. Shut the fuck up, you dirty ass bullshit ass fucking ass cop. Kid watching them talk. While he dribbles the basketball, says, one-on-one? What kid demands to watch other people play (laughs) one-on-one? To which then he says, what, me and her? And the kid says, yeah, come on. (laughs) And the kids around them are just chanting, one-on-one, one-on-one. They toss her the ball. She bats it from hand to hand, then starts rolling around her arms and chest like a fucking globetrotter. She puts the ball between her legs, but not with a dribble. She slams it down. Bouncing it off a wall, runs directly at the wall, jumps off the wall, catches the ball, superhero lands on the ground like Dennis Rodman snatching a fucking rebound. And then she says, I haven't done that since I was a kid, to which my note is, what did you do as a kid? Parkour (laughs) with a basketball? P-Tops, camera movements in this scene gave me vertigo. The songs that starts playing is called Scandalous. Scandalous. He takes off his jacket. She takes off hers. He's dribbling in front of her like he's crouching to change a tire. The lyric that plays says, where you go, no one knows. They're playing basketball in front of children, and this song is about pussy. (laughs) There's multiple notes here. I keep saying there are children present. I just keep repeating there are children (laughs) present. The other thing is there's a part where he's dribbling and then he starts to back her down. Oh, yeah. But then she's got her back to him. And she goes back to back like Tango and Cash. Yes. Yes. And then she steals the ball and now she's dribbling with it and she turns around and she's literally just shaking her ass. She's grinding on him. She's dry humping him. It hit me. Oh, man. Halle Berry can't dance. No, she can't. If that's a stunt ass, the stunt woman definitely couldn't dance either. So when she starts shaking her ass in front of him, he starts looking at the children like, whoa, check this girl out. The children! And then he's like lifting up his shirt, like fanning the flames. Yes! She throws the ball between her legs into his stomach. He catches it, lifts up his shirt, shows off his abs. They are pretty amazing. She gets the ball back, starts dribbling like a fucking (laughs) N1 player. It's all dribbling! The stunt double from overhead looks nothing like her. It might have been Jeff McGinnis for all I know. Did anyone on set ever play basketball? Did anyone who wrote this ever play basketball why is this a scene 
There are so many things in this movie where I'm like, that's, have you never done this in your life before? All of these things, have you never, have you never been fired before? It doesn't happen like that. She jumps from behind the free throw line with no step. Yes. Tom chambers him. Yes. Throws the ball into the hoop <laughs> as she comes crashing down on him. Then she grabs the ball and is just straddling him. Yes. In the middle of the key. To which then a kid asks, can I get our ball back? Can we have our ball back, you crazy psycho lady who's straddling this cop in front of children? Because they probably didn't think they're going to watch fucking Skinamax porn next. I mean, she's riding him. She's riding him. They have a name for that position. Cowgirl. Cowgirl is a different superhero. My favorite superhero. Now we go to Sharon Stone looking at pics of Adrena in her office. She looks out the window, out of her 50th floor window. <laughs> and see, because she's got amazing vision as well. Apparently. Yeah, it must be the cream. must be the B.O. line, Boo line, whatever it's called. She sees her husband walking to a limo with Adrena. And let me just say right now, my note. Seeing Adrena, I don't blame him. I would trade in that Sharon Stone as well, man. Adrena's a looker. She is. Adrena, is, she's not just a pretty face. Adrena's the, the full package. You'd show her how to unlock the minibar, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Sharon Stone crushes a glass in her hand without cutting yeah. herself, which because I didn't put together at first. Now it makes yeah, sense that I say it out loud. Absolutely. Hallie is going to town on these cans of tuna at home. Oh, boy. Like she is housing tuna. Alex calls her from the hospital nurse's desk because that that's a thing. so gross, by the way. Like, if you go to Costco, they sell those chicken of the sea tuna cans in a six-pack. She destroyed at least, like, two of those. Two six-packs. Just fixing a little snack. I just get so angry at this movie. Also, again, well, this is another one of those. Have you never been to a hospital before? They have a phone by your bed. You don't have to go to the nurse's station to get on the phone. Yeah, you don't get to treat the nurse's station like your bedroom at home. She tells her about the basketball and that she practically jumped him. I even went Shaquille on his butt. She's creeping all over her apartment, balancing on the back of a couch. Another late night party now at the at the apartment across the alley. It's not an apartment. It's like a full-on bar on like the third floor <laughs> of a warehouse building. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, you're right. It's a bar inside of an apartment. Yeah, like, because it's an apartment. She knocks on a door that's, like, number 32 or whatever. Yeah. Apartment? You hear that? It's called silence. (laughs) So she knocks on the door. I was really hoping you'd just hear the dog snoring because he had just stopped snoring when I said that. (laughs) She's complaining, but she's talking all weird and, and... Finally, I wrote the note. They asked her to act like this? It's weird. Yeah. It's, these are decisions that were made. The way she walks. This is one of my favorite things, and, and I've talked about it before, but like when watching a bad movie, I think about like, this is the best take they got for all this shit. Zach. What does the cutting room floor look like? I figured out what she walks like the whole time. I was like, I was trying to think, she walks like me when I'm trying to walk like an asshole, but I'm like, no, no, there's a better way to describe this. And I realized she walks like Conor McGregor. Oh, she does. She, the whole time, ever since she got with the cat, ever since she quote-unquote got her confidence. Oh, yeah, when she fucked that cat. She walks like Conor McGregor. The cat's on the motorcycle again, by the way. She goes to the apartment. He slams the door in her face after saying it's not a pajama party or a sleepover or some shit. I don't know what it was. Kicks the door down, jumps on the bar, sprays beer all over the speakers and the guy. Not beer. She. That's why why May said they're at a bar, because she sprays the... The nozzle that, that you, you know, the dispenser where you get... Soda gun. Which, by the way, cannot short-circuit a speaker. 
The speakers do short out, though. She whips the dispenser hose at him, turns it into a whip. She says to keep it down and thanks for the party. I had fun. She's back home. She gets the leather outfit out that Alex gave her. Alex and and Lance. Lance, right. Sorry. Remember? Um, She busts out (laughs) scissors and butchers her own hair. She dyes it and steals a motorcycle. No, no. She says, time to accessorize. And I say... Who is she talking to? And as she drives off, I don't know if this is intentional, but I laughed. The disembodied voice from off screen said, hey, that's my motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) It reminded me of Teen Wolf 2, Zach. (laughs) Or or Hot Rod when when the the EMT show up. Hey, I'll say one thing, man. If you want me to laugh in a movie that I'm hating, just have a disembodied voice yell something, man. Oh, the dude, the dude in ballistic. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> the guy, that's right. The guy who's who's accosting the woman and getting. Oh, my nose! I think she uh, broke it. Hey, baby. T-shirts, we're all wearing them. It's a staple of our wardrobe. And you know you buy a T-shirt online, you buy it in a store. It's going to fit fine the first time. You try it on, it seems great. And then you wash it. It shrinks and has this weird, like, box cut almost. Or the bacon neck collar, the shrinkage, it stretches in weird ways. It wrinkles like crazy. Cuts clothing has completely changed the T-shirt game. High quality, classic look, modern feel. Wear it in the office, wear it on a date, wear it at the store, wear it at the park. It doesn't matter. And you can really customize it however you want. The fit, the fat. It's the only shirt worth wearing. Pre-shrunk, wrinkle-free, retains the shape over time. Wear it on a date, wear it anywhere. Wear it to work, it doesn't matter. You can pick the crew neck, V-neck, Henley, doesn't matter. Elongated, split hem, curve hem, get long sleeve, short sleeve. Pick the collars, pick the cuts, pick the colors. It's going to be the best shirt you've ever worn. You're never going to go to another shirt again. Once you wear a cut shirt, it's impossible to choose a regular, boring, terribly designed t-shirt ever again. It is absolutely custom engineered to be the most buttery soft thing you've ever felt and you can get yours athletes are wearing them entrepreneurs are wearing them even your favorite podcast hosts are wearing them get 15 percent off your first order by going to cutsclothing.com slash dings cutsclothing.com slash dings for 15 percent off the only shirt you're ever going to want to wear again get them and you don't even have to wear pants with them. all right she's riding through the city now and stops where that necklace is Frenetic ass motorcycle montage. Pitov really going for it. Yeah, obviously it's all CGI. She hears glass breaking in the store. Guys with shotguns are in there breaking glass. Apparently there's no alarm system in here. No, and also nothing untoward about people in a well-lit store just breaking things in masks. She calls them amateurs out loud. Then she's wearing a mask to which I wrote, where the fuck did she get a mask? Because it's not on there when she's riding the motorcycle. No, she gets a mask and then she says... I don't even know what she said. I just put the note, oh, she's Eartha Kitt now. Oh, right, because she asked if they thought they could steal all these beautiful things and then says, what a perfect idea. Oh. They both start unloading shotguns at the second floor. For some reason, there's smoke and dust filling the shot of where they're shooting. It's, again, questionable shotgun mechanics. <laughs> right, and they were just going to straight up murder her for being there. Oh, yeah. And there's no alarm. Absolutely no alarm. And we've got an hour left in this movie at this point. I know that. Dust clears. She's not there. She kicks one into the other. Another guy comes out with a hand cannon, and she starts climbing the walls in the most absurd way possible. Oh, my 
God, the CGI here. We built this city. We built this city on CGI. We built this city on CGI. Like, the movement in, like, The Lion King is way more accurate than her movement in this movie. The movement in Theodore Rex was way more accurate <laughs> than in this movie. Cookie time. All right. Uh, all this movement is CGI. She starts breakdance kicking them. Yeah. I'm still confused as to where she got the mask. At one point, she just goes meow. Before she roundhouses a dude in the face. <laughs> She she jumps on a guy and surfs him to the other side of the room. Surfs up. She slides under another dude's legs, grabs his hair, walks him around like it's fucking WrestleMania, says meow, kicks him in the face, and now she has a ton of stolen jewelry on her bed as she wakes up the next morning from the ground. So I was confused because it seems like she's fighting crime here, but apparently she's just out burglaring them. Cat burglar. The, this movie does not know. That's what I said. It's not. Cat burglar. Like, okay, so in batman forever and in dark knight rises both those depictions of catwoman she is a criminal petty criminal if you ask me like you're just stealing things really like like you're not you don't have like an enterprise or anything waste of talent you're still doing like hand-to-hands and shit okay i mean like be basic if you want but a criminal nonetheless and through like her relationship with batman she is kind of like begrudgingly does the right thing in this movie like there was nothing to indicate that she had a desire for a life of crime or anything like that or a desire to fight crime i was just like why why is this why is this happening why is any of this happening she bags up all the jewelry except for a ring and the necklace from the window in the shittiest brown paper bag now you would think that these two things that she's keeping would come back later in the movie nope detective tom lone is at the jeweler we find out the necklace was one of a kind from Egypt. Cat chick? No, no. Cat broad. Great police work. Rather than looking for clues or trying to figure out a list of suspects, they're trying to come up with names for the person who robbed this place simply based on, by the way, the testimony of the thieves who say, yeah, she jumped around like a cat. Did they ever think, or maybe their accomplice took all the stuff and then they're there to just say, hey, it wasn't us. It was some cat woman. Another detective shows uh, Detective Tom Lone a brown bag with all this jewelry in it, and sorry is written on the bag. When did she deliver that back? With a box of cupcakes, too. That other detective was so happy. Cupcakes! The sorry is written on the bag just like the coffee cup she gave him. I didn't notice that until later. Oh. <laughs> okay, Benjamin Brat. Allie is Googling cats. Cats.women! Cats.women. She's not Googling. Well, okay, my next... Uh, hold on, I'll get to that. Oh, my God! <laughs> then the cat in history where we see cat cults and witches and devils. She searches cats in ancient Egypt, and which then I note, sorry, she's using Yahoo Search. Yes. And also, why would she be searching for any of this she searches cats.women and the first thing she clicks on is women's cat lovers club yeah that wouldn't be the first thing that comes up on the search of course now she recognizes midnight from the artwork so she goes back to ophelia by the way in the suburban home in downtown cgi city hold on it's a fucking cat (laughs) 
<laughs> not like it's got one red patch over its eye. Like, oh my God, that's midnight. It's a regular fucking cat. So you can't say that's midnight in this, by the way, not a photograph, but a painting. Ophelia was a professor for 20 years until she was denied tenure. Male academia. <laughs> that was- yeah, that's not why. That was so good. Whoever wrote this was like, what do chicks usually bitch about? <laughs> Hallie doesn't remember what happened the other night. Ophelia says she dies, but she was reborn. That's when Hallie calls her a crazy cat lady. Professor Exposition says the Midnight knew her fate and tested her, gave her a new life. She pushes Hallie off the second floor of that suburban home and she lands on her feet. Then she just throws pages of artwork on top of her. Pictures. By the way, did you guys catch what one of the pictures was? Michelle Pfeiffer. It was Michelle Pfeiffer from Batman Forever. So they did have the rights? You can't just put that in there without the rights. They had to have had some rights. Maybe just the Catwoman part. Catwomen are not contained by the rules of society. You follow your own desires. This is both a blessing and a curse. You will often be alone and misunderstood. But you will experience a freedom other women will never know. You are a Catwoman. Every sight, every smell, every sound incredibly heightened. Fierce independence, total confidence in human reflexes. So I'm not patience anymore? You are patience. And you are Catwoman. None of this makes sense or is relevant to anything in the movie, by the way. She says she'll experience a freedom most women will never know. Then explains all of her powers to her. Is Midnight like a thousand years old? Is Midnight some sort of super powerful power imbuing cat? Shouldn't that creature have more of an impact if it's this powerful? No, he just chills out and eats fucking Purina mix. And then from time to time makes out with drowned women. (laughs) Also, Midnight, sometimes they call him a he and sometimes they call him a she. I don't know what Midnight is. She gives her cat mask. Now Hallie's sitting on top of a building, tells the cat she saved her life, but somebody killed her and she's got to find them. Now she's full leather. Walking on roof ledges. Connor McGregor walking. Distress pants, metal straps, diamond tip claw gloves, and a backless bra. She's showing off the swordfishes, I'll tell you that. Yeah, the whole movie was based on this one scene of her Had walking. to have been. Had to have been. Imagine Halle Berry on a rooftop walking sexy as fuck. Sold. Give me a script by tomorrow morning. Oh, I got it. She's traversing the city in a CGI cat manner? Whatever the Fuck city, this is supposed to be CGI city. It looks like a video game. We built this city. Is this where they got Assassin's Creed from? We built this city on CGI. Sharon rolls up in a black car and asks security guy if he dealt with Slavicki, Dr. Exposition. She drives away. Hallie notices the security dude from the other night and is stalking him. She zooms in and then gets a instant photographic memory of him shooting at her. Also zoomed in. Cat vision. Do cats have good memories? That's a good question. I don't know. I can get like she sees him from afar. Okay, cats have good vision, allegedly. But like good memories? I don't know. I ain't heard about that one. She wasn't a cat then when he shot at her. So does the cat just get to access all of her prior memories? They did an interesting thing without really trying to explain any of it where she's super absent-minded and constantly getting distracted, which is cat-like. And I think the cats have... Really bad short-term memory, but really good long-term memory. 
So I think possibly that could be what it is, but there's a lot of credit being thrown their I way. I guarantee you that is you put more thought right now <laughs> into that one sentence than they put into the whole fucking movie. Absolutely. My man goes into the bar, goes to the bartender, orders a Coors Light bottle or something, hands him a large bill and says, "You saw me here all night. How often does he come to this bar for this bartender?" To just accept, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because if someone handed me a $100 bill and said, you saw me here all night. If I'm the bartender in that situation in a loud bar, and he goes, I've been here all night, I would be like, what? Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I just wouldn't understand any of that. But also, he buys that one bottle of beer, you cheap bastard, and then goes and gets a table? Yeah, that's a good question. A friendly bartender! Whoever wrote this has <laughs> never been to a club before. She walks in, goes to the bartender, orders a white Russian, hold the ice, no vodka, hold the Kahlua. And it reminded me of a scout I used to work with. When we go to lunch, he once ordered chicken Caesar salad, hold the chicken, no Caesar dressing, no cheese. Is it just lettuce? Romaine. Is it a rabbit? Why would you order that? Well, I had, I had another buddy who ordered cheeseburgers, hold the cheese. I mean, just order, order the hamburger. It's a hamburger, right, yeah. It's like, no, no, they make it different. Oh, my God. Cream, straight up. And then she licks it up her lips. Extremely fake milk mustache. It worked. Uh, oh, is that milk? Oh, boy. She's walking through the dance floor now. She grabs security guy's attention. She's dancing in the middle of the floor as the crowd cheers to her strobe light moves. Oh, my God. She's got a whip. She is recklessly whipping this thing around. She's insane. Where is club <laughs> security? This person has a full-on whip and she's cracking it. She swings over to him. He grabs the whip. She pushes him outside and pounces on him. Hold the fuck on. He's in a booth that is facing the dance floor. She swings from the dance floor to his booth. He stands up. She shoves him, and he doesn't fall back into the booth. He magically teleports into a back alley out of a door. Now, is it possible, I mean, that the back of that booth in CGI City was CGI? So there was a door actually behind it. Okay, I lied about not having any sexual tension. I thought at this point the only rational explanation is they messed around and, you know, mid like yum, 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 work your way to the door, and then she shoves him. She has his gun, tosses it behind him, then wraps the whip around his neck, throws him against the wall. He's trying to punch her. She scratches and kicks him. She says the other night he killed somebody, and she was a nice girl. Wants to know why. Then she grabs his tongue so she can say, cat got your tongue? What? That didn't make any sense. It didn't go in the flow of what was happening. They got to get as many cat puns in at every opportunity. It's a mix of these incomprehensible action sequences where the camera is swinging around. (laughs) And then pause for a little cat pun. He says that they told him to flush the pipes, so he flushed the pipes. Says he doesn't know why, but there's something wrong with Beoline. And she heard something that she wasn't supposed to hear. Then she knocks him out. Now we're back at the Hedare factory. Slavicki is dead in there. Doctor exposition. Why wouldn't they just get rid of the body? She stands right over him. The janitor, who, who didn't hear any gunshots or anything, takes his sweet time, comes downstairs, sees her standing over him, and then runs off with a scared look on his face, presumably to call the authorities. He hits an alarm. She begins to escape, but not before... Cracking the whip. Why? (laughs) Next day, Hallie shows up at the hospital to see Alex. Alex says she wants her props. Is that still being said in 2004? 
I want my props. It would be by Alex. That was a very 90s thing to say. Sally says she's feeling better. I guess maybe laying off the Cosmos for a couple days helped. News story about a woman in a cat suit murdering Slavicki. Mr. Hader says BioLine will be produced as planned because they owe it to the women in this country. Female empowerment. It's not an international product. Exactly. With him with his fake ass English accent. <laughs> Allie tells her the BioLine is making her sick and she throws it away. Then, Detective Tom Lone is now working the Slavicki murder and notices the coffee cup he apparently hasn't thrown away from days this ago. This fucking detective, dude. You're a detective! It says sorry just like the bag. If you see the way the word sorry is written on both of them, you don't need no fucking expert to come. It's identical, right. It's identical as identical gets, but he takes it to the lab because CGI City has an amazing tax base that they use. The lab is just an office in that floor. Zach, you know what I wrote? What? Defund the police. <laughs> it lies in the handwriting. One of the saris has strokes of insecurity and people pleasing. But it's not an exact science. It's not an exact science, except he's exactly right. And the Y is very self-confident. And the O is someone who doesn't like to play by all the rules. It's two different people. <laughs> if you put these two women in a room, you're going to have one hell of a party. <laughs> Female empowerment. Now, there's a county fair in the parking lot of the community center in the middle of downtown CGI City. We built this city. He's asking her about the murder. She jokingly asks if she's a suspect now. They're on the Ferris wheel. It breaks down when they're at the top of it. They go to kiss and it starts breaking more, to which then Detective Tom Lone gets out to climb down this thing. You know what really grinds my gears? He starts to fall a bit. She sees a bolt coming loose on another carriage. There's a little kid who's riding by himself. <laughs> no one ever lets kids ride by themselves in these in these things, right? <laughs> and so as the bolt comes loose and the kid is like precariously holding on for dear life. They zoom in on his mom and she, she whispers, Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I fucking lost it. <laughs> she does. They zoom in. She whispers, Frankie. It breaks. Hallie leaps out to catch the kid from falling. She does it like a cat. He sees people cheering her for holding the kid. More applause. He wants to celebrate with dinner. She says she's got some business to take care of instead. What did Benjamin Brad ask? Did you just get fired? <laughs> what business do you have to take care of? Now she's at the Hedare residence in the cat suit. She's spinning in an office chair. She's walking around. That's when Sharon hits her with a golf club. Some cat-like <laughs> reflexes. Jesus. <laughs> now they're bantering. Sharon gets knocked down the stairs, and that stunt double was at least six foot three. That was a massive stunt double. I know. It was Brigitte Nielsen, and she didn't know she was in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> she just drunkenly fell down the stairs and said, "I know, you know what? We can use this." Sharon gives her an invitation where her husband is and her cell phone so she can reach her. He's watching a performance with Drina. Hallie sneaks in. There's multiple reflections of her. She's going around like a big circular thing, and a black security guard in complete monotone, "Call the cops. You're not going to believe this." And then Drina says, "I think this is a waste of time." George says, don't. A condition of our relationship is that you don't think. <laughs> Female empowerment. <laughs> she says she knows about Blue Line and he didn't kill her. The cops bust through. She jumps to the stage. The crowd is in awe. They think she's part of the show. For some reason, Detective Tom Lone is there. He finds her on the catwalk. Yeah. How does he not notice who this is? He's been trying to fuck this person for days. All she did was put a mask on. Exactly. Like, And it looks exactly like Halle Berry. Like, if Halle Berry walks in, 
I'm not confused because she's wearing a mask. Well, he's trying to date Zooey Deschanel. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I, I did think to myself, like, every Batman movie, I think the same thing. Like, how do they not, right. how can they not tell that's him? Right, the most famous man in the city. This is when Hallie says, cats come when they feel like it, not when they're told. What? He's blinded by the lights. She disappears, sneaks up behind. He falls. She catches him, pulls him to safety, purrs in his ear. When he falls and she catches him, that's when he says, you're under arrest. You're not in a position to be arresting anyone, my man. She grabs an electrical cable, swings them on it, and he says to be careful with it. I knew I felt a spark between us. She escapes his cuffs, gets away on that cable, cops around her. She asks who can see in the dark, shorts out the lights and says, I can. What? <sighs> Mr. Hedera wants answers. Sharon says not to be scared. She also says to quit the self-tanning. Be a man. Stop eating Viagra like they're vitamins. Resist their urge to date children born the same day they invented the cell phone. Not the same year, the same day. The cell phone was invented like in 83. Four, I want to say. Drina then 18? Like, Is know. another side effect of B.O.E.N. Gary Busey hair? <laughs> he slaps her, but it hurts his hand. She says, Booline works wonders. Now Hallie's looking for an outfit for her date, and then it just cuts to Sharon applying a lot of cream to her face and neck, and then it cuts to the date. They're getting sushi. She's eating it like a cat would eat sushi, I guess. I don't know. I, it's weird. Apparently, that was also, it was fruit molded to look like sushi. Yeah. Yeah. Does she not like sushi? I guess if you're doing a lot of takes where you're just shoveling it down. I guess, yeah, you wouldn't want to keep doing that with fish. It's at this point, I'm wondering, is patience bipolar? Are there two people living in her body? Yes, yeah, so I think that's what it is. I think the cat takes over and she's the confident person. Like, I don't think it's the absent-mindedness of cats. And that's what killed me about the handwriting expert. <laughs> he nailed it! <laughs> it's not exact, but... <laughs> She's pretty good, though. <laughs> he did nail it. Doesn't that give you like a stomachache if you ate that much fruit? What the fuck kind of fruit are they using? To I don't. I mean, sushi? I don't know. Is it CGI? Yeah. I don't know. We built this city. We built this sushi. <laughs> she wants to know about the Catwoman. He says that she kissed him. What do you think about that? Depends. Do you like bad girls? Only if they like me back. Huh? This is the most cringeworthy scene by far. This is what they thought was like. Sexy banter? There's so much chemistry. Again, whoever wrote this has never been on a date. He wants to talk about her and being an artist. It starts raining as they're walking and she rushes out of it because she hates the rain. I guess cats don't like rain. Or she could have just said like, oh, my hair. Or they could have just kissed. Why do they have to rush away from something? Like, she's about to explain that she's Catwoman, you know, but yes, can't do that yet. Can't be Basil Exposition just quite yet. Now I think they're at her place. They fuck. He's awake in the middle of the night. Has scratches on his back. Gets some water. Finds he gets one to- a Dasani! <laughs> Product yeah. placement, buddy. Who the fuck is drinking Dasani, man? 2004! Coca-Cola paid a lot of money for them bottles to be in there. Yeah, how do you think that CGI got there? We built this city. We built this city on CGI. He gets some Dasani, finds one of Catwoman's nails on the rug, recognizes it, and takes a glass with her lipstick imprint on it. She notices he's gone. The cell phone starts ringing. There's a video of Sharon Stone saying it's me. Yeah. What's the point of hiding a phone under your mattress if you leave the ringer on? That's a great question. Apparently they had FaceTime back then, which is cool. But only one way. Recurring theme. We see Sharon Stone. She puts up her ear. Sharon says Catwoman was right about her husband. They need to stop it together before the press conference happens tomorrow. Now we're back at the lab. They are analyzing lip imprints. 
What kind of budget does this department have? Defund the police. The match probability of the lips is through the roof, guys. That is a brand new sentence. That's never been uttered before. (laughs) Sharon tells Catwoman she has the evidence. Now talks about turning 40 and how he threw her away. Catwoman walks behind the desk of the residence. Mr. Hedera is dead with claw marks on his face. Sharon asks how she did, said the claw thing was tricky. Then I ask, is there sexual tension between these two? No, but... No one noticed that? But a prime candidate for Golden Dumpster happens right now. As she falls for the horrible boss's trick. <laughs> she throws the gun. <laughs> I'm forgetting my manners. Can I offer you something? Can of tuna? Saucer of milk? Smoking gun! <laughs> Good job, Dale. <laughs> throws it to sounds the alarm. Shout out to Sharon Stone. The original Karen. <laughs> the alarm goes up and she instantly goes, Whoa, cat woman <laughs> killed my husband. <laughs> and I say, wow, Amy Cooper, well done. <laughs> <laughs> the cops are after her now. Detective Tom Lone pulls up. He's on every case. His response time is incredible. Like, he is the only detective. CGI city, baby. We built this city. She's changed into a sweatsuit. She's freaked out by all the cop cars and the news projection of Catwoman killing again. Tom Lone's on TV. He's waiting at her place. Doesn't he need a warrant? No, because he's fucking her. Okay. He apologizes. Cops pull up. She decides to go peacefully. She says that Dr. Exposition was killed by Sharon and there's evidence. All the evidence points to her, according to Detective Tom Lone. She says that he can believe her. Ask about the first time he saw her. He's like, there's no evidence that says anything other than you. And she says, there's me. You can believe me. And I wrote, yes, I can go into a court of law and just say, I believe her. Also, we fucked, but that's not really important right now. <laughs> I saw a girl trying to rescue a cat. She says, no, you saw a crazy person out on a ledge trying to jump. All the evidence pointed to that. By the way, in this scene, Benjamin Bratt, you know what he's doing when he's torn? No. He's acting his ass off. No. Are you kidding me? He's acting his ass off in this scene. Ooh, I don't know. How do you not agree? I don't know about that. Sharon Stone acted her ass off when she hit her with the with the horrible bosses. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by the Amy Cooper. They're walking her to a single prison cell without cuffs. Cop says she has to be a nice kitty now, and she hisses at him. CGI City has a really nice interrogation room, by the way. They do. They have an amazing one. We built this city. (laughs) Spinning shot of him. I don't, here's what I don't understand. Why does Maze have to make the edit if you just say it every time? (laughs) No, so he knows that that's where they insert it. That's why we do separate tracks. He doesn't have to have mine on there. Just kind of kill it. There's a spinning shot of him examining the evidence. His cop friend says, you may have lost your woman, but at least you got your man. What? happening the cop is named bob by the way he's not credited as such but but benjamin Bratt calls him bob at one point he asked bob a question he said would your wife climb out onto a windowsill to save a cat and bob says yeah if the cat has pizza (laughs) (laughs) all right the cat gets into the cell from the window ophelia's words resonate with her she pets the cat she sees a bouline billboard and says it's not just about her now. Lassie would have brought me a key. So now she squeezes through the bars. And let me tell you, there's no way parts of her are getting through those bars. I've had willing suspension of disbelief up until this point tested on many movies. 
But I refuse to believe that Halle Berry would be able to fit between There's those bars. There's not a chance. She's just walking through the precinct at this point. Yeah. Jumps out of a window. A car stops. Taps her ass. <laughs> what car is it, Zach? It's a Jaguar. 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 She's slow motion twisting through the air to majestic wailing vocalization. Yes. Pitoff. And she doesn't just take the car. She gently strokes and caresses the Jaguar first. She jacks the car off. Then she takes it. And then she jacks the car. Sharon is launching the beeline, and uh, this is where I note that they've said this name so many different ways in this movie. And this is where I note lots of applauding in this movie. Detective Tom Lone shows up, introduces him as the man who brought her husband's killer to justice, and now she takes him to her office. They applaud some more. Catwoman's at the warehouse, chaining up all these delivery trucks. It rips the tires right off the trucks. That was kind of clever. No? You didn't like the tire thing? There was nothing clever in this movie. Lone says that he knows what really happened and has evidence. He starts flirting with Sharon to trick her, gets her to admit it, and then she shoots him in the shoulder. Terrible shot. He has absolutely no reaction to getting shot at all. <laughs> it's the opposite of what Jack Nicholson did. His next line is so deadpan. Catwoman whips the gun out of her hand. I'm a woman, Lone. I'm used to doing all kinds of things I don't want to do. And that's when I first realized that this movie is about female empowerment. They're escaping. Security's after him. He needs to stop. He's bleeding too much. She says, how is it? Well, there goes my jump shot. Hey. <laughs> he never shot in the movie. No, we never saw it. All he did was dribble. <laughs> Catwoman knocks out one of the security guards. Tom Lone knocks out the other one. Sharon shoots at her. She says, if you don't have an identity, then why keep it a secret? Because you killed me. I'm Patient Phillips. I didn't understand. I wanted her to say, who? <laughs> <laughs> the song during the fight scene, one of the lines is, I love to rule. I break the rules. Feline <laughs> is stopping Sharon from getting hurt during the fight. Her skin is like living marble. Sharon stabs her in the side with a shard of glass. You're just a scared little girl playing dress up. Did this cream give her super strength that's what i'm saying because she's wielding this pipe and also her reflexes are incredible she's kicking her ass toward a big window she's about to knock her out of the building and says game over that's when catwoman says guess what it's overtime and now all of a sudden they decided i was like in the last 15 minutes of this movie they just want to go full-on basketball again <laughs> they miss basketball they, they're tired of cat puns they're tired of all these other, like, you know, double entendres. Like, can we just talk about basketball some more? Okay, let's do it. Jump shots, overtime. Let's do it. CGI Catwoman whip sequence. She claws Sharon repeatedly, knocks her out the window. Yeah, wraps around her foot, hits her in the face multiple times, jumps around, grabs her hand, scratches each side of her face, avoids a punch, kicks her out the window. She's hanging onto the pipe. She sees her horrible face in the reflection, then falls hilariously down to the lobby of the building. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I rewatched this so many times. I rewound it four times. So she starts falling kind of just in free fall. And then they cut to this dummy that is, it does, oh like, God. two front flips in, like, a second. That's the thing they decided to make real action. I mean, just imagine what would happen if you threw a crash test dummy out of an airplane. That's how it looks that she fell. And then it bullseyes the logo. Bullseyes. <laughs> Dead center. Dead on. You know, it was funny. You guys are talking. I'm like, I don't remember her fall at all. Oh and as God. soon as you reminded me, I just... I just <laughs> <laughs> it's doing somersaults in the air. 
doing a fucking tumbling routine. Like Simone Biles. That's when they ran out of budgeting. <laughs> no, no more CGI. No Fuck. more. We're capping at a hundred million. But please, Mr. Producer. Mark, you know, you meet me at the top of the building. <laughs> bring the, bring the car that dummy with you. <laughs> Avec you. <laughs> she says, I might not be a hero, but I'm certainly not a killer. Okay. And I guess. What was, what was she doing there? Lone has a way to absolve her and keep her from being identified as Catwoman. Sharon's dead on the logo with a shot of Drina looking over her. Paper has her as a hero for Hedare. We find out Alex is dating the doctor she was horny about. Nice pull. No, again. No ill effects of the stop the boo line. Right. She didn't have the scarring. Ophelia has a gift from patience. She also gave Tom Lone a note thanking him and saying they can't be together. And they broke up. Yeah. She stands him up at Grecchio's again. Yeah. You see, sometimes I'm good. I'm very good. But sometimes I'm bad. But only as bad as I want to be. It's a Dennis Rodman book. Yes. Freedom is power. To live a life untamed and unafraid is the gift I've been given. So my journey begins. She leaps off a building, walks on a ledge, walks towards the moon with her whip. Roll credits. Walks right into the moon. I just don't understand. I'm like, wait, she's not a crime fighter. No. And she's not a criminal. No. So why can't they date? She's an independent cat woman. Oh, shut the fuck up. Not you, the movie. Sorry. <laughs> and so my journey begins. No, actually it ended. Yep, that's it. Make it rain. If you're listening to this right now, you can't see the sunglasses I've got on. I hope you can. It'd be super creepy and borderline a crime if you could see me wearing the sunglasses that I'm wearing right now. But a company called Rain has the best sunglasses on the market. I've got the Remy. It's kind of like this champagne crystallized like frame color, perfect lens tint. So lightweight, so comfortable, so versatile. You really cannot go wrong with these. I used to sell sunglasses for another company that I won't mention because it's inferior. It's not Rain. I don't know if you've ever noticed, like sunglasses, you wear sunglasses or eyeglasses for a long time, you start getting headaches. One, it's the strain that looking through an, an inferior lens will put on your eyeballs. So it actually makes your brain work harder to correct the images. And two, if it's not the right pressure points on your head, like it hits your temples weird, then that's going to cause headaches. That doesn't happen with rain. Rain's super lightweight, super versatile, super comfortable. Wear these all the time. Don't get headaches at all. Take them anywhere. Go to the beach, go to the lake, go hiking, go to the pool, go anywhere that's socially distanced right now because, you know, you're not supposed to be around people. So you can't like go to the mall with them or a farmer's market. But once you can, you should be wearing rain. It's no wonder that GQ called rain one of the best sunglasses for men in 2020. John Hamm wears them. James Harden, Wiz Khalifa, they all wear them. You can too. Just do what I did. Get yourself a pair of rain sunglasses at rain.com and use the promo code DINGS for 25% off your first order. That's R-A-E-N dot com promo code dings for 25 that's two five 25 off your first order rain.com promo code dings a rough cut of the trailer was put online a few months before the film's release and drew such heavy criticism that it was quickly pulled it was soon replaced with a new trailer that didn't have any dialogue 43 different cats were trained for this film trained what did they train him to do? Halle Berry adopted one of them afterwards, an orange and white youngster named Play-Doh. It's a Bengal cat, a domestic breed, that when some media sources inaccurately describe the 13-pound house cat as a tiger, 
It caused the fun for animals to send Halle Berry a nasty letter. Was it Carol Baskin? The movie had to undergo reshoots after testing poorly with screeners with only a month left before the theatrical release date. Didn't save it. Michelle Pfeiffer turned it down because she didn't like the costume and the comfort level of the costume. So it was originally intended to be a spinoff with Michelle Pfeiffer after Batman Forever. Then Ashley Judd was attached for a few years. They considered Nicole Kidman. Ended up with Halle Berry. When production stalled in mid-2003... Rumors circulated that Warner Brothers would scrap the project and instead incorporate the, the character of Catwoman into Batman Begins with Halle Berry still in the role. Academy Award-winning costume designer Angus Strathy explained, We wanted a very reality-based wardrobe to show the progression from demure, repressed patience to the sensual awakening of a sexy warrior goddess. I mean, I think they nailed it. Halle Berry became one of the only actors in history to possess both an Oscar and a Razzie after her quote-unquote win for her infamous performance in this movie. She also became the first to accept the Razzie in person, walking out on stage proudly holding both Oscar and Razzie aloft. She gave a short acceptance speech. I'd like to thank Warner Brothers for making me do this god-awful piece of shit movie. Shout out to Halle Berry for showing up to the Razzie. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. So I know you guys are wondering who else has won an Oscar and a Razzie. There's a lot more than six, which is what they said. But Eddie Redmayne, Theory of Everything and Jupiter Ascending. Sandra Bullock, The Blind Side and All About Steve. Those were in the same year. And then for acting categories, I've got Kim Basinger, Roberto Benigni, Marlon Brando, Faye Dunaway, Charlton Heston, Liza Minnelli, and Al Pacino. You skipped one of the most important ones. Ben Affleck, obviously won for Goodwill Hunting and Argo. He's got three Razzies that he won in the same fucking year. Geely, Daredevil, Paycheck. That's a whole cinephobe <laughs> month right there. Three Razzies in one year. That's incredible. Pitoff won Best Director at the Razzies in a loaded category. He beat out Bob Clark for Super Baby's Baby Geniuses 2, Oliver Stone for Alexander, and Keenan Ivory Wayans for White Chicks. Fuck you, Razzies. The cast and crew on the set used to call Halle Berry the Halle Cat. I bet they did. According to Alex Green, the Whitmaster, Halle Berry needed a week of 90-minute practice sessions before she was able to successfully crack a whip. Did it really take that long? Is that good or bad? The fighting style used by Catwoman is the Brazilian martial art known as Capoeira. Catoeira. The setting of the film is ambiguous as the city is never called Gotham City, nor are there any references to Batman or any other DC characters. We built this city. After reading the screenplay, Pitoff and Jean Rabas presented to the producers an alternative version of the story that was refused, using the argument that it was too artistic. They really limited his vision. See? This movie features both Sharon Stone and Benjamin Bratt. Bratt was considered by producers for the male lead role in Basic Instinct 2 in 2006. But Sharon Stone allegedly vetoed his casting because she did not consider him to be a good enough actor. Wow, the nerve. Halle Berry had issues with the costume's practicality when first trying it on, complaining at one point it was too tight and uncomfortable. The costume itself had to be fixed a few times for production as the leather bra she wore would actually fall off at times. Oh, baby. Golden Dumpster nominees. God, where do we even start? Alex Borstein as Sally. Amin's guy Lance. Man sandwich, 12 o'clock. The basketball scene. <laughs> Pitoff. My guy, the handwriting expert. What about cat chick? No, cat broad. Sharon Stone as Laurel Hader. Female empowerment. The black security guard. And Sharon Stone's fall. Oh, okay. uh, let me add some other uh, nominees as well. Frankie's mom, <laughs> Detective Bob, 
<laughs> yeah, and there was a pizza that had a box of pizza with it. Drina, just for being Drina. Okay. I'm going to just cut right to the point. My golden dumpster is Sharon Stone pulling the uh, horrible bosses on Catwoman <laughs> and then immediately turning into Amy Cooper. I mean, that was acting her ass off. That's true. Maze? I'm going with my man, the handwriting expert. It's not an exact science, but I can do psychological profiles on people. And nail it. Perfection. Bullseye. It's got to be the basketball scene. You know what's funny? Like, going into this, I was sure that that would be the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> and the fall, like, now, like, the basketball. <laughs> well, maybe, I mean, you'd like to know what Tony Medley thought of this movie. Oh, did he see it? Oh, he saw it, baby. Before I even hear the thing, he's definitely going to love Halle Berry looking sexy, but he's going to question, like, <laughs> Benjamin Bratt or something like that, right? <laughs> and then, ultimately, he's going to say, you know, there just wasn't enough, and so he's going to give it a three out of ten because he likes Halle Berry. This movie starts with Patience, Halle Berry, telling us about the day she died. So there's no suspense for the first 15 minutes during which Patience meets policeman Tom Lone, Benjamin Bratt, finds out that her employer, Hedare Beauty, is about to market a product that destroys people's skin and is murdered. Since that's the first thing we learn as she's trying to get away, there is zero suspense because we know that she's not going to elude her pursuers. Worse, we're told at the outset that Laurel Hedare, Sharon Stone, is the bad gal, robbing the story of much-needed mystery. The movie picks up after a cat resurrects Patience and she discovers her powers, links up with Lone, and takes on the bad guys and gals to keep Hedare Beauty from marketing its harmful product. Halle Berry is very good metamorphing from woman to cat superhero. Unfortunately, Benjamin Bratt is less than compelling as her love interest. At least I didn't see anything different than I saw when he was Lenny's partner on Law & Order. And what I saw there was a good-looking, likable phlegmatic guy who was always pretty much the same but benjamin apparently provides eye candy for women so maybe he's got some secret sex appeal that only women see motherfucker he's gorgeous what are you talking about i've always been able to understand how women can be attracted to movie stars like robert redford and tyrone power tyrone power hold on who the fuck is that (laughs) i do not know I do not know. Is this porn? Am I going to look up porn right now? God, it sounds like a porn name. Tyrone Power is a white man. White! From Ohio! But I don't think of Brat in their terms. However, you do have to take into consideration the fact that I'm not a woman. Sharon Stone gives a glimpse of what we might have seen had Marilyn Monroe had her way and been cast in the Brothers Karamazov. There's no getting around the fact that the woman is beautiful and has a lot of sex appeal. But her performance robs Laurel of the menace that's essential to make the ultimate confrontation with Catwoman and Baldy. The story isn't bad, but the script, for which three people get credit, John Procato and Michael Ferris and John Rogers, always a bad sign, is occasionally bromidic. For example, the girlfriend of the bad guy, George Hedare, Lambert Wilson, says, I think this is a waste of time. George responds, don't, a condition of our relationships that you don't think. Another scene telegraphs itself with such little subtlety that it's hard to believe that everyone won't see it coming. Director Petoff missed an opportunity in the climactic battle scene between Laurel and Catwoman when he had two of the sexiest women in Hollywood fighting each other, yet there's not even a smidgen of sensuality. You want them to fuck? The fuck fight? Tony was picking up on that sexual tension. Barry exhibits some stylistic poses as Catwoman that are attractive, but... Oh, is that supposed to say Barry? It says Barre. <laughs> it says B-A-R-R-E. Tony! 
Come on! But they overdid her jumping, which basically allowed her to fly. The movie would have been more enjoyable for me if she just had a cat's ability to jump. Maybe magnified a little. But she jumps so high, she's really flying, not jumping. Despite all that, at 101 minutes, it has more entertaining moments than not. I mean... Five out of ten. Wow. Did I not nail everything else, though? You got pretty much everything. The there, only yeah. thing you were missing is a reference to someone you've never heard of. Yeah, Tyrone Power. <laughs> Tyrone Power. Oh, we really need a Tony Medley bingo card. All right. Amin? Fulver File. Oh, come on, man. This, this is one of the worst phobes we've had. This is one of the worst movies we've watched. This is really bad. This is a phobe of a phobe of a phobe. This is right there with Theodore Rex, right there with Jupiter Ascending, right there with... We're the worst of the worst. It's there with them. Maze? Oh, man. It's tough. It's undeniably bad. It flirts with being bad in a good way. It flirts with being enjoyably terrible. I haven't laughed as hard as I laughed at the Sharon Stone falling out of the building part (laughs) as I have in a while. And my man Pitoff, he's right up there with chaos in my mind. Like, these two dudes just, they got their shot. God, imagine if they made a movie together. <laughs> what's your what's your movie studio, Zach? Oh, God, I can't remember what it was. Get them on the phone. Yeah. Get Pitoff and chaos in the same room. But I have to phobe it. It was, it was awful. It's truly one of the worst movies we've ever seen. It is unconsciously, like, the, the script makes no sense. I don't know what the fuck the dialogue was. Like, Halle Berry is... Somehow they fucked it up. Like, they completely fucked up, like, one of the most beautiful women that's ever existed in making her sexy. They made her unsexy for me. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you do that? And, like, CGI City. We built this city. Oh, man. And yet... If it's on... Would I watch it? Would I turn it on just to see which parts are there? I think I would. Follow me, baby. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Mr. 99% strikes again. He files every fucking pick, ladies and gentlemen. The irony was I was going to say in my Fober file review, I thought about saying I'd watch Good Luck Chuck 10 times in a row before I watched it. No, movie. you wouldn't do that. I would. I no. would. If you said you can either watch Catwoman or watch Good Luck Chuck 10 times in a row, I'll watch Good Luck Chuck. But I said I'm not going to say that because if I say that, then Zach is going to get offended and he's going to turn around and he's going to flip his pick at the last second. So I said, let me save it. And you ended up filing it anyway. You dick. I almost put a note after the basketball scene. File. <laughs> I almost <laughs> put it there. Because when I watch it, because I've seen the basketball scene like 50 times on the internet, right? It's all over the place. Like, I've put it in articles before. Like, I've seen the, but there's something about seeing it within the flow of the movie that I was, <laughs> just file me. The funny thing is, it's a lot less ridiculous within the flow of the movie. It actually is one of the more coherent scenes. Yeah. <laughs> coherent? What? No one knows what basketball is compared to the rest of the movie. Like, Maze, if you, if you hadn't watched the movie before and you just saw that scene, which is basically where I was coming into this. That scene is ridiculous, and it just seems like, what? Having watched it in the flow of the movie, not quite as ridiculous compared to everything around it. It's kind of like, you know. Do you want to change to a file? No, and, and quite the opposite. Like, I, what I just said should further hammer home the fact that it's a phobe. No, I mean, see, this is the problem, though. That would have been just, like, 
the ultimate switch for our fans and our listeners and the audience and stuff. Like, if you had then said that, you know what? I'm coming around. I will change it to a file. You know what it would have been? Perfect. Next time we make love, you introduce me to Jade. pick next and i'm gonna take a little bit of a risk here because i haven't seen it but boys about two months ago i was scrolling through netflix and i stumbled across a movie in in the queue and i said oh you know what's this rated let me look it up it qualified 28 percent, and i said i would like to preemptively give my golden dumpster to this fucking hat that hayden christensen is wearing in the movie takers it's on amazon prime is paul walker in that paul walker idris elba ti chris brown matt dillon and jay hernandez are the cops okay and zoe saldana all right there it is takers formerly known as bone deep (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna go watch that right now we built this city we built this city on cgi Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. 
Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.